Hey everybody, how are you? Welcome to the Eternal Leadership Podcast. And uh, today we are going to have a great conversation and something unique. And I just want to tell you guys, as you're listening to this, I want you to be thinking, I know something's going to pop in your head that you can share this podcast with. Just go into the app, hit share, send it to a friend. Because you guys might remember in the past, we've had John David Mann on twice. And the the first time he came on was about oh five years ago. And we talked about the recipe of how to live a full life. And then last year, uh, he and his wife, Anna Gabriel, wrote a book on the go-giver marriage. And it was in, it was one of our best podcast episodes, guys, that we've had. If you actually just look at the numbers. And if you want to really get dialed in in your marriage, which is entrepreneurs and leaders, it's something we got to focus on. That's episode 399. And the first interview I did with John David is episode 182. So you can just go to eternalleadership.com forward slash 182 or 399. Now, John partnered up with Dan Rockwell to do something really unique, something I love because you guys know I love story. So first of all, Dan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, John. It's a pleasure to be here. So, you know, if you guys have ever read Og Mandino or even the way Patrick Lencion writes, man, I love a story that illustrates a point. And um, Dan, you and you you guys had an idea to write this story um, called The Vagrant, The Inner Journey of Leadership. And it was absolutely fantastic journey. And it, man, f- folks, it just felt to me like it was it was from a different perspective, but it but it was like even the journey that happened to me through my accident, through losing everything, through having to come face to face with the man in the mirror and realize, guess what? I need to make some changes. Or as I recover, I'm going to get the same results in my life that I had before. Now, some of the results were awesome. And some of the results were absolutely, well, honestly, terrifying, like of who I had become and why I'd become. And, and uh, a lot of it was I wasn't willing to look in the mirror and say, this is because of you. So where I'm at today, guys, believe it or not, it has been, we just passed 12 years since the accident. A lot of you guys have been listening for a long time. And you know what? It was kind of a somber day. You know, we didn't have a party or a celebration on the date of the accident. But the messages I got from my wife and my family and my kids just saying, Dad, I'm so glad you're still here. Um, Man, it it was a meaningful, meaningful day for me. But a little bit about Dan, folks. Uh, first of all, uh, if you want just an incredible resource, right? Go to the Leadership Freak blog. It's one of the most highly recognized blogs out there. I follow it. And um, the way that you write, it's practical, it's fun, and it's always something in there that I can take away. And Inc. Magazine has recognized you as a top 50 leadership expert in the English-speaking world. Um, You're a top 100 speaker. Um, American Management Association lists you in the top 30 leader in business. But what I love about it, Dan, is you took all of this experience and knowledge, and we'll get there in a little bit, but you've wove it into this story. And there's a reason that right now, this is the story that was on your heart to write. And I'd love for you to write even just start there, Dan, before we we jump in. But what is that reason? 
Well, uh, you start to see your own screw-ups as life goes by. And uh, I became uh, aware of them and uh, dissatisfied with uh, the way I was looking at life and dissatisfied with myself, really. And that's where the story comes from, because the protagonist in the story, whose name is Bob, he messes up several times and doesn't know that he is messing up, which I think is true for most of us, right? I mean, no one gets up in the morning and say, I can't wait to screw up. You know, we we uh, think we're doing the right things and we're on the right path. And uh, when we it starts to dawn on us that we're engaging in self-defeating behaviors, it becomes a wake-up call. So I had this story in my head for about 10 years, and about two and a half, three years ago, I contacted uh, John David Mann, who is, I think, the best at uh, writing these fables. He's done uh, the go-giver things and the go-giver marriage, as you mentioned, and uh, contacted him, told him the story that I had in my heart that I had tried to write a few times, but I just don't write that way. You know, I, as you know, on the blog, I'm writing short sentences, uh, trying to be as concise as possible. And, uh, you know, the, the how-to side of things is important. It's not the only thing, but lots of times I'm writing how-to kind of things. So this story was different for me, uh, but it was, it reflects everything Bob did wrong I did wrong, you know, in the story and more. My list of things messing up is way longer than what happened in the story with Bob. So uh, John uh, loved the idea, loved the story, and we went to work about two and a half or three years ago. Okay, now as you uh, share this, the uh, because basically you call this the inner journey of leadership and you have... You have a gentleman here, you got Bob, and it kind of leads a question that I was actually asked recently. It was really interesting. Hey, if you could go back to that, um, it was in the context of my life. It was somebody that knew me and said, hey, listen, when you got out of the military, because I was supposed to, because I, I wanted to be a lifer. I was a Navy fighter pilot. And I got hit with a softball um, in the eye and had nerve damage to my eye. And I had to get out, did not want to get out. And I did life angry, Dan, for the next two years. I, I, I quit probably six or seven jobs. If somebody didn't have integrity, if somebody looked at me funny, if I didn't like something, I would just quit and then go find something else. But you know what, though? That became a habit. I never really stuck at a job. But... The question he asked me is, hey, if you could go back and just sit down with that young man as he was making that transition, what's the conversation you just wish you could have with him right now? And it became a journaling exercise for me. But what what is that for you? You know, you wrote this book and if you but also but if you could go back to him, what is that advice you might either give to your younger self or maybe give to some of the leaders that are actually listening right now. And this is that conversation with what will be their younger self. Well, uh, the answer I have sort of depends on where I'm at. It's not universally the same. Now it tends to revolve around certain things, but I have to say this, John, 
if I had a conversation with my younger self, my younger self wouldn't listen to me because my younger self had all the answers already. And, you know, that's part of the problem with my younger self. But that would be a good part of the conversation is say, listen, you don't have the answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is the truth. You don't know as much as you think you know. I was just working on tomorrow's post, and I, I thought I might write about things I don't think anymore. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I used to think I had the answers. And uh, now I know the people who think they have the answers don't. Anyway, I would say to my younger self, define yourself by who God made you to be, not by what other people expect. That was a huge eye-opening moment for me in my late 40s when, you know, I was having a midlife crisis, and I've had many of them. We had to have a lot of them because they are simply self-evaluation times. And I evaluated my life and realized, define yourself by who God made you to be, not by what other people expect. And the freedom, oh my goodness, the freedom that comes into a person's life when they uh, embrace this idea is very powerful. The second thing I would say is that the thing you need is the thing you don't want. And this is a, a real challenge for me because I think I'm doing the right thing and we ought to think that. I think I'm on the right path. And so when something interjects or something intersects with me that contradicts that or doesn't seem like it's supporting that, it feels like it's the wrong thing. But so often, especially in major life transitions, the thing you don't want is really the thing you need, the thing you're running from. Or, And so sometimes we get smacked uh, in order to wake us up. Mm. Well, you know, what I heard, here's what I heard in there too, is the, uh, right, your, your identity is external. And when your identity is based on, you know, meeting the needs of your high school buddies, your friends at church, the people, at, you know, whatever it is, right, your social network. And those are all things that can, A, what I found can all be taken away very quickly. Um, that happened to me when I had to get out of the military. That's why it was so hard. My entire identity was every, 100% external. But here's what I heard in there is a lack of self-awareness. Yeah. And if I have that lack of self-awareness, and that is really emotional intelligence, the good news here, folks, is it's something that can be taught. But I've seen that bring leaders down time and time and time again. I just saw it happen with a close friend of mine who's also a prominent leader, Dan. It was heartbreaking to me. And I'd love for you to share some thoughts on why that is, and what leaders can do about it. Yes. Well, you're keying in on uh, what the story kind of takes you to, and I appreciate that. So thanks for doing that, John. I think the lack of awareness of our impact on others is such a hindrance. We show up with an answer. We are trying to convince people that we have the answer. We don't show up to listen. We are not monitoring how we're perceived and how we're impacting others. I uh, was seeking feedback from my team one day uh, several years ago, and I believe in designing uh, feedback questions to be very intentional. I don't believe in saying, uh, how am I doing? You know, that's just uh, useless, completely useless. But if you tell people, 
uh, I'm working on this or I'm working on that. What do you notice in my life that uh, is helping me? What do you notice that is hindering my progress in this area? What suggestions do you have? That can be useful. And it's also- So Dan, what you're saying though is you proactively go out to people versus waiting for people to have to come in when it finally becomes an issue and they're maybe even a little tentative and say, you know, hey, Dan, can I share something with you? What I'm hearing is you're actually seeking that often. Is that is that fair? I'm learning to do that. I think my younger self uh, was not interested in seeking feedback. And when you came to me with feedback, I would basically listen and brush it off or explain why you're wrong. And that, I think, is part of the, the challenge of feeling like you're right and feeling like you know the answer. So I had been told before this moment when I was seeking feedback that was so important, I had been told that I can be pushy. And uh, I'm not pushy. I am nice. I'm a fuzzy pussy cat. I'm the nicest guy you know. And I would always brush that off. So I'm seeking feedback in this meeting. And one of the ladies said to me, she said, uh, you can be pushy. Well, I at this stage, I had learned not to be defensive. And so what I decided to do was try to listen. And I, I said, do you have any examples? And, and she said, well, no, it's hard to think of them right now. So I said, well, thank you. And, you know, we explored it a bit. Two weeks later, I'm having a conversation with a person face to face. And in my peripheral vision is this woman who gave me this feedback that I can be pushy. And she is giving me the eyeball. She is letting me know. I oh, knew you're instantly. doing it. You're doing it right now, Dan. She's trying to like yes. see the verbal signal, right? Nonverbal. That is exactly right. And it was the first time in my life I ever really saw what how I can be pushy with people because look, I'm convinced and just do what I say because, uh, you know, I know what you should do. So I think self-awareness for some of us is uh, slow in coming and we can't really grow until we are self-aware, until we acknowledge how we're perceived, until we acknowledge our strengths and weaknesses, until we acknowledge what we don't know. We can't really grow we can develop skills and things like that, and we can even succeed. But as far as growing as a person, it begins with self-awareness. Well, and, you know, here's something that uh, a couple things. Uh, is, uh, they've been hard for me sometimes, right? Uh, somebody told me and say, like you said, hey, you're you're pushy, you're arrogant, or you don't care about the team's opinion. And I would seek specific examples, but because this has been a pattern and sometimes I was subtle with it, it was hard for people to have an example. Then I would use that as a tool to say, well, you're wrong. Come to me when you have something. But here's also what I've had to learn working with so many leaders now, Dan. It's about perception because people don't remember typically, right, the specific words or the exact situation, but they know exactly how they feel when they walk away. They That they do not forget. Mm -hmm. And so if the perception, because of my body language, my tone, my intent in a meeting was, you know, the, here's how I'm being perceived. So, folks, when I'm working with a leader myself, as I'm like, you know, hey, C Mr. CEO, this is not about fixing 
how you're, you know, this feedback, maybe on your 360 from your team, it's recognizing this is how you're being perceived. Is this how you want to be perceived? And even if you don't agree with it, it really doesn't matter because this is what people are picking or certain people are picking up, right? Some people love you and other people don't, but because other people maybe with a different personality style than you, your behavior comes across to that group differently than this group. But you have to understand that because if we really want to lead, we have to be able to have influence on everybody in our organization, not just that little group that we really click with. If, if, have you found anything similar, Dan? Oh, absolutely. And the difficulty, the rub, I think, of saying, you know, the perception is what's going to matter to you is so important because you want to come across to others as you perceive yourself on the inside. So when that there's a disconnect between how you perceive yourself and how the, how people perceive you, that's very frustrating and disappointing. So we, we get defensive or we go on attack, we engage in those self-defeating behaviors and we don't grow. So understanding that and accepting it, you say, I'm not, I'm not pushy. I'm not arrogant. I'm humble. Uh, by the way, I told my wife I want to write a book on humility, and she burst into laughter. We've been married since high school. You know, aligning the external self with the internal self in ways that uh, are useful to others and express who you are. Uh, that's real leadership, real living, I think. I Yes, I agree. And so here's a question for you, because, you know, in the book, is this... Guys, I, this is such just a great way to build some of this awareness because sometimes we can put on our observer self and we can, you know, for us, for me, <laughs> right? I don't know about you guys, but it's really easy for me to go, oh, hey, that guy's got a problem. Hey, that that woman's got to work on this. And hi, you know, I, you know, hey, John, how you doing? Well, you know, I'm actually doing pretty good. So it's that observer self is pretty keen. But at reading this book, you can actually start to say, oh, well, you know what? Some of those elements of what Bob does in here and the feedback he gets from some conversations that happen allow us to then to say, huh, I wonder how I'm being perceived. I wonder if there's some things I have to work on. And Dan, you do so much with, with such high level leaders. Where is a place to start where we can actually maybe start to see some of our strengths, some of those things that are maybe limiting our effectiveness in the life we want to live. And it's not just at work, it's at home. And, you know, it's wherever we go. Because you know what? One thing I found is whatever it might be showing, it might be showing up in a relationship at work. Every time for myself is whatever is creating that perception or that dynamic is it's affecting other things in my life too. And when I kind of open up the lens and I realize, oh, Wow, this I gotta I gotta address this. Um, but I'd love your thoughts on that, Dan. Sure. I, the simplest way to begin that journey, of course, is there are all kinds of assessments that help us identify our strengths and weaknesses. And I think there's some usefulness to that. But what we're talking about here is much more personal. And what I recommend to leaders is engaging in structured self-reflection. There's a place to sit down and, you know, do free writing and journaling and, you know, kind of be quiet. And uh, there's a place for that. But when it comes to leaders, 
I want to encourage them to engage in structured self-reflection, design some questions that reflect your goals, reflect your strengths and weaknesses, and ask yourself those questions on a regular basis. The other component of structured self-reflection is including others. This, I think, is perhaps most important because self-reflection done in isolation leads to self-deception. We have only one perspective on ourselves, and that perspective is ours. And so as we, as I lived for, for years with uh, ongoing frustration and anger and didn't really even pay attention to it, I didn't really realize that the problem was me, not inside of me and not outside of me. And, and I had uh, all kinds of great reasons why the problem was out there and not inside. So inviting people in on this process helps burst the bubble of self-deception that all of us have. Just uh, for any of your listeners, they might enjoy Daniel Kahneman's book, Thinking Fast and Slow. It is a classic, and it is filled with all of the cognitive biases and uh, wacky ways that we can deceive ourselves. And when I read that book, it rocked my world because I thought, oh, my, I, you know, you just realize you have such a narrow perspective on things and you have to include other people. I honestly believe including other people in my journey has been one of the most transformative parts of the journey. Yeah, and Dan, I want to circle back to something you said in the very beginning and pick it up there when you talked about feedback. And it's not just, hey, how am I doing? Hey, how do you? It, you said you put a lot of thought into the questions that you want to ask. It's, a, it's much more focused. Could you expand on that a little bit? Sure, sure. The how I'm doing is sort of a needy sort of question. And when when you ask people, how am I doing? They're going to say fine, or they're going to give you an opinion. And their opinion about you may be relevant. It may not be relevant. They don't have your strengths, or they don't have your responsibilities, or they don't see the whole picture. So uh, I'll give you an example. I think yeah, meetings please. are a classic. Everybody just loves meetings, right? No, people don't love meetings, generally speaking. So let's say that a leader says, my objective here is to lead meetings that have trajectory, that have a sense of energy. And when, when we're done, people walk out with more energy than they walked in. So now you go to a couple of your trusted colleagues, people have some perception, and you tell them before the meeting, what I want to accomplish apart from the agenda items is to run this meeting in a way that increases people's energy. Would you do me a favor? Would you notice things that I do that deflate the room? Would you also notice things that I do that the energy goes up? And as soon as that meeting is over, you're walking down the hall, or you stop in someone's office, or you're on a video conference call, you ask them to hang back, and you get their feedback right then. What did you notice? And this is part of inviting other people in. As you listen, now you can say, ah, I hadn't seen that before. I think I might try uh, doing this next time. What do you suggest? And keep that process going. A couple of things happen when you do this. One, of course, is your own personal development and growth. 
but it's also other people's development and growth. Let people know you're working to be a better leader. Let people know that you're working to grow. And one of the ways to do that is to engage in seeking feedback like a leader, not just like seeking feedback because you need affirmation. Seeking feedback to grow as a leader is very, I believe, very intentional and begins with you deciding what sort of goals, what's important to your organization, what's important to you, where are your points of frustration, where are your points of disappointment, where are the greatest opportunities for you to grow. So you start to think about that and you design two or three questions and you go to people who know you and you ask them for specific feedback on what they see in you and what they might suggest. You know, I love that. Uh, it makes me think, I remember... But I was frustrated as a leader that it just seemed like there was a constant lack of accountability. We were not making a link uh, after the meeting, right? We were really good at ideating and coming up with strategy and here's our priorities. And then we were kind of talking about the same thing the next week. And um, I didn't go to an individual specifically, but I do remember once just asking the team, hey, on a scale of one, to, the meeting's over as we're launching out of here. On a scale of one to 10, who feels like you know exactly what you need to do next? And are you equipped? Are you empowered? And and I got to tell you, the feedback was all five, six, and sevens. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, guys, what would just a plus one look like? How do all of us participate in this meeting differently so that when we walk out of here, we know what to do? And if I need to be accountable to you, Dan, because I have to get something done that is a dependency for the work you got to do. How are we doing this and tracking this? And that actually led to us implementing a project management system that was a game changer, but we were all in, right? Because sometimes bringing in a new tool is a kind of a pain, but we were all, we all knew why. And it, it was one of the best implementations we had. But. Oh, and your, your vulnerability, your honesty, that's why everybody was all in. You didn't impose something. And I love, love this idea of, a scale of one to 10. So when you ask for feedback, you know, on a scale of one to 10, because if it's a 10, that it's wasted, it's wasted feedback. It's, it's sort of an affirmation, which is great. But, you know, if it's not a 10, then the next question is exactly what you said. And, you know, what does uh, nudging this forward look like? What are some options? Uh, sometimes I'll ask leaders just to draw a line across a piece of paper and on the on the left end, it's like couldn't be any worse. And on the right end, couldn't be any better. And just put a mark anywhere that makes sense because the numbers don't matter because the next question is what matters. OK, here's where the number is. And actually, here's there's two questions I get people to ask. One is, why didn't you make the mark closer to the bad end? This gives people a chance to brag. You say, well, we're doing this, we're doing this, this is right, this is right. And then you say, how could we nudge the line to the good end? And that's where this conversation starts in development. It's a wonderful, wonderful tool. Uh, I just couldn't love that more, tell you the truth, John. Well, I love what you just said, Dan, is uh, think of this, got folks listening, this is something you can go do in your next meeting, but why isn't it closer to the bad side, right? We tend to focus on the good side, right? Whoa, shoot. Thought I did a great job. Why was it fives and sixes and, hey, there was one eight. That Boy, that felt good for me as a leader. But what you're asking is, why isn't it closer to the back end, which gives them an opportunity 
to maybe affirm others in the group and maybe to reflect on some of the things that they did that you can then affirm right there on the spot because people need that, folks. That is a need. Um, and I, you know, I've never done, I'm going to use that in um, the next meeting where I have an opportunity to do this and then ask, hey, what would make this, what's a plus one? Because that allows everybody then to be actually have ownership and be part of the conversation, be part of the solution, right? Yeah. I use the brag time. I use that language because I know it's a little prickly for uh, believers because uh, we're not supposed to brag. And I, I feel that way too. But the leaders I work with who are having one-on-ones, uh, I encourage them to start their one-on-ones with, uh, hey, look, it's just you and me here. Uh, give me some, uh, what are you proud you're doing? And it, it doesn't have to be the same language. I do this with all my coaching clients. Uh, one of the first things I'll ask them in our meeting is going to be, uh, what are you doing uh, that you're really glad you're doing? What are you doing that's energizing you? Where are your greatest uh, moments of success in the last week or two? Sit down with your people and your one-on-ones and start that way. And here's, I'll tell you what will happen. If you're sincere and open and not tweaking and not correcting, just letting them enjoy those milestones of success, they will light up. They will be energized. They'll be excited. And the rest of that conversation is like been greased, if you know what I'm saying. It's just wonderful. Well, that's such a great place to start. I love that because that just that, what you're doing is you are building self-awareness and what everybody just heard, you know, it's a way to start building self-awareness in yourself, but in those other people that you're leading and influencing, right? Even even your kids. It, what what I've learned through coaching has is has just transformed my relationship with my three boys who've now become uh probably three some of my best friends in the world, which is just uh one of the biggest blessings in my life. But uh, one of the other things that I pulled out of here that I'd love for you to share is some of the hazards of having high aspirations, self-awareness versus sometimes, because I know I've done this, some of the things that create some self-sabotage. So uh, self-sabotage or self-defeating behaviors, that's where you want to go for a bit? Yeah, because, you know, we're, we're asking for feedback, right? We're trying to get better. But there's a reason that uh, if we're willing to look in the mirror, one of the hard awarenesses that I had to own was that the results I have in my life, my marriage, my kids, business, certain relationships that I have, I have a role to play in all of that. And many of that was I had to take 100% ownership of that outcome because it's really easy to say, oh no, that's Dan, right? That's Dan's department. That's, you know, that's my wife. And in that is a, uh, there's a tension in that. Yes. Well, what you're talking to me about and what I'm hearing, John, is that uh, I look out at the world and think the world needs to change. And the reality is, I'm the one who needs to change. Uh, For example, uh, self-sabotage, self-defeating behaviors, things like showing up with an answer. As soon Mm -hmm. as you do that, smart people are going to push back. So now we engage in this conversation where you're trying to convince people that you're right and they're wrong. That's a loser. I mean, that's just not the kind of conversation you want to have. So when we engage in these things, 
we think it's the other person's problem, but in the end, we have much more influence over the dynamics in our relationships, over what the results are going to look like than we want to admit. And as soon as things start going south, we, I, you know, I like to say it's somebody else's fault because I, I don't want to own that I didn't practice accountability right. Or I didn't show up holding myself accountable. I want everybody else to be prepared for the meeting, but I'm not prepared for the meeting, right? It's like we make excuses for ourselves. So the look inward is uh, the beginning. And it has been for me a long time coming and continues uh, to this day to be part of my life. And when I say the look inward, I don't, I don't mean, you know, I gotta be me and all of that. I don't, I don't mean that at all. Uh, there's an aspirational self in there. And when you start to realize you're sabotaging yourself, it's a kind of a painful awareness. Yeah. Can I share something that here's something I've, I think I've observed about myself and I'd love your thoughts on it in those situations. Maybe I don't show up prepared for a meeting right? I give myself the benefit of the doubt. But if you don't show up for a meeting, I'm going to judge you and maybe see that as evidence of a narrative that I've been building in my head about you. And this interesting double standard that that I show up with sometimes can create uh, a tremendous amount. Man, it creates just conflict. It can hurt relationships. And I know that's something I've done, right? Uh, judging others and then being, you know, kind of, I'm like, well, they don't know how busy I am. They don't know that I'm working on a hundred projects. They don't know that I've been up since five this morning working and, you know, they should just, you know, just getting to the meeting for me was like a win. <laughs> and now, but from their perspective, I'm slowing everything down because they got to take time to get me up to speed. It's not a good, use. anyway, Dan, I love your, your thoughts on that dynamic because I, I have definitely been guilty of that one. Oh, my. You know, we we excuse ourselves and we blame others and we give ourselves the benefit of the doubt and we hold other people accountable. I mean, there is this phrase, right? Assume the best until someone proves the worst. Assume the best, right? Assume that they have good people for the most part have good intentions. And for goodness sake, I hope you believe everybody on your team has good intentions. They're out there striving to succeed. If you don't think that, then either change your perception or get rid of whoever it is because they're not going to be helpful. So assuming the best about others, but you're bringing up one of these inconsistencies that is a self-defeating behavior. And that is, I excuse myself and I, I blame others. And seeing that in yourself is a huge revelation. Uh, Bob Sutton taught me this because uh, I love the topic of humility. And there was a little section in one of his books about humility. And he said, just say this to yourself. What if I'm wrong? And the second thing is, this is even more difficult. What if they are right? <laughs> it's like, oh, there's an eye opener. So uh, yeah, there's there's an openness here. There's a vulnerability here that helps all leaders, I think, uh, down the path a little further. 
So, folks, the the book is The Vagrant. And uh, Dan, when uh, when you and uh, John David Mann wrote this, John David sent me the manuscript, and I got the privilege to write a uh, an endorsement in the front of this book. And and folks, this is a fantastic book that I know is going to move you forward. It's going to increase your influence in the world. It's going to get you focused on being a better version of who you were designed to be. Start seeing it's going to give you the uh, a perspective of, in my opinion, how God sees you. It's going to help you move toward that versus maybe the person in the mirror. And so, Dan, how do, how do people find the book, um, connect with you, learn more? Yes, thanks for asking that. And thanks for your endorsement, John. I appreciate it. Uh, so you can find the book on any of the major outlets, obviously, and at your local bookstore. If you don't find it at your local bookstore, let them know that you'd like to have it. Um, you can find me by, if you just go to Google and type in Leadership Freak. Uh, so far, I'm about it. And if you would like to send me an email, it's uh, dan at leadershipfreak.com. That's awesome. So, Dan, as we wrap up, what are just some final thoughts you'd love to leave with everybody out there? I'll tell you what just pops into my mind right now, and that is to just understand that the way you think today might shift, and it helps us be a little humble. Uh, I jotted down, you know, like I said, you know, things that I used to think that I don't think anymore, and I, I put about a dozen things on my list, and I think if we can live with that openness uh, that uh, I, I may change my thinking on this uh, in the future. If we can live with that openness and humility, we have a lot of opportunity for growth. Mm. So live with a place of openness and humility or move toward that, even if it's a plus one, a little bit, right? And then the growth can then happen. that fair, Dan? That's fair. That's what I would say this morning. Uh, I, I tend not to have, uh, too many canned responses. You know, I'm just trying to think when you ask the question, I'm just trying to respond in the moment. Uh, if you really want to grow, uh, buy the book. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, uh, Dan, keep up the great work. And uh, man, uh, Leadership Freak, folks, is a, a great blog. It's one of the few blogs that I actually follow because I love how you write. Um, it's just such good information. And keep up the great work. And thanks for making the time today. I love this conversation. I'd love to have you on anytime you want. Thank you, John. I appreciate you asking me to be on, and I re really respect. You know, we wanted to uh, bring value to your audience, and I hope that, that happened. Absolutely. Uh, it, yeah, so thank you so much. You got it. See you, champ. Take care.